Smell is an important sense. They say that smell is the sense that we have that's most closely tied to memory. It has a way like nothing else of evoking our imaginations and our memories about time gone by. And we've talked about that before. I imagine uh, all of you are aware of that smell that you have at your grandmother or mother's house as they're preparing for you Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. That probably rings a bell for you. But y'all know by now I'm a little bit of a quirky person. And so I want you to think about what are some of the odd smells that you really appreciate. Now, Robert Duvall from Apocalypse Now, what was his favorite smell? Anybody remember? I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It smells like victory. Victory. That's right. Now, I don't know, maybe some of y'all like the smell of napalm in the morning. Seems a little odd to me, but hey, to each their own. Have anybody that likes to fish out here? Anybody like that fishy smell? Yeah? Some of you do, some of you don't. I don't don't really care for it either. Each of us has our own favorite odd smells that just awaken our memories. For me, one of my favorite smells in the entire world, and this is very odd, I promise you, is the smell of an old museum ship. Anybody ever been to the USS Yorktown in Charleston or the USS North Carolina in Wilmington? You know that smell? Mothball and oil. Isn't it great? I love it. I think it's fantastic. I I don't know what it is, but I just love that smell. If they made a candle that made that smell, I would buy stock in it. Nobody's done that yet. What's that? (laughs) There might be one. There you go. Somebody look that up. You're allowed to look on your phones. If you find it, I'll I'll hit you back if you buy it for me. But each one of us has a smell that connects us with memory, connects us with times gone by. And as I said, smell is the sense that is most closely tied to memory. Now, in today's story, we are greeted with a whole bunch of, of smells. Now they've yet to figure out how to do a scratch and sniff Bible page. So you're going to have to try to use your memories or use your imaginations here to think about the smells going on. We're told that Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem and he's traveling there for the purpose of his own crucifixion and death. Now this is a very weighty matter for him. This is a very stressful matter for him. In fact, we're told later on in Scripture that it will be so stressful that he'll actually sweat drops of blood, which is an actual medical condition that's brought on by incredible levels of stress. So when you're stressed, what are the things that you try to do to manage your stress level? What's that? Try to breathe, yeah. If you, if you like to fish, maybe you go fishing and you, you smell that fishy smell. Um, if you like the, the smell of cut grass, you go cut grass, things like that. You do things that bring you comfort. And so Jesus gathers together with 15 of his closest companions on earth. 
we can assume that all 12 disciples are there. And the reason we're going to assume that is because Judas is there. Now, Judas wasn't necessarily one of the favorites. Uh, quiz time, who were, the, who were kind of the, the inner circle of disciples? There's three of them. Yeah, Peter, James, and John. So usually when it's a smaller subset of the disciples, they specify it as Jesus and Peter, James, and John. So the fact that Judas is here would be suggestive of the fact that all 12 disciples are here. And then who else is here? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These three are Jesus' closest friends on earth. These are the people that he goes to when he's tired and needs rest and respite. Lazarus, who died just a few chapters earlier, Jesus wept at his grave because they were so close. So Jesus has gathered with his 15 closest companions on earth for a night of rest, relaxation, and respite. And unsurprisingly, Martha is doing what Martha does best. What does Martha do best? She cooks and she cares for people. And so you can get the scene of her in the kitchen whipping up all of this food for these 15 hungry guests of hers. Now, has anybody spent much time around uh, Middle Eastern cooking and, um, and, or eating Middle Eastern food? Nobody has? Oh, you are missing out, let me tell you. It is flavorful food. It is a joy for the senses. They use all these different spices that when you cook with them, it fills the entire house. It'll, in fact, even waft out from the house. And days after you've cooked it, you can still smell those spices that Martha would have been cooking with. So already... Here in the midst of all of this, you've got this sense of aroma that's going on, that's working on the memories of Jesus and his companions to solidify this memory of this night in their minds. Now we're also told that there's maybe the sense of another smell in their minds a little bit. A smell from Lazarus, who the text makes a point to say uh, had recently died and then later on been risen. Now, when Jesus went to his grave and ordered that the, the stone be rolled away there, what was Martha's objection? He's already been dead for three days, and so there's going to be a smell. Now, we don't know. Maybe there was a smell. Maybe we don't. But there's that that little bit of lingering smell of death kind of hanging over the, the air in this gathering. But Martha's doing her best with her bright and bold Middle Eastern spices to change the aroma. And so there's laughter and eating and conversation and all these rich smells. And then in comes Mary with her pound of costly nard. And she uses that to anoint the feet of Jesus. Now, I think that's actually significant, that it's, it's the feet of Jesus she's anointing. The prophet Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. We know that Jesus is the one who brings 
good news. Mary knows that Jesus brings good news because, as we've heard from earlier texts, she was really good at sitting at his feet to listen to him talk about the good news that he brought. And so she's listened well, and she knows that these feet of Jesus will be carrying him to the cross. These feet of Jesus will be taking him down into the grave. These feet of Jesus will be springing him from death to life to bring us that good news. And so she anoints the feet of Jesus with this pound of costly nard. Now, anybody familiar with, uh, with nard? Nobody has uh, the nard dog candle burning your house? Nobody? Oh. Mm. So nard has an earthy, spicy aroma to it that would be filling the house as she is doing this anointing work. Now, I find that, again, interesting. When we think about Mary and Martha, we oftentimes think about them in competition. I imagine you've all at some point probably heard a sermon asking you whether you're a Mary or a Martha. Have I heard those sermons before? And who, who are my Marthas here? I got, do I have a few Marthas? Oh, yeah, I know I've got some Marthas here. And, and I imagine you Marthas have left church that Sunday and not felt very good because the preachers, and maybe I've even done this, have gone, y'all don't be a Martha, y'all be a what? A Mary. A Mary. And, and then y'all go, well, how's anything ever going to get done? Honestly, I think those sermons get it wrong. It's not an either-or proposition, be a Mary or be a Martha. What we see going on here is we see Mary and Martha working in concert together. They're working in harmony. Martha is in the kitchen cooking, and she's creating this aroma of this rich, earthy spiciness with her food. Mary, likewise, is doing this anointing of Jesus' feet which again is filling the whole house with this earthy, rich spiciness. And so they're working together, using their own individual gifts to help build this memory of this night, of Jesus gathered with his closest companions, celebrating and taking a moment away from the hard things in life but recognizing that the hard things in life are all right there. So what's really going on in this scene? Jesus is preparing his disciples with the help of Mary and Martha for the days ahead. That there will be days ahead when they won't have Jesus with them. He'll be gone, first in the grave and then later ascended to heaven. But in a very real way, Jesus will still be with them. Where do we see Jesus still with us today? Two places in particular I'm thinking of. Whenever two or three are gathered, oftentimes specifically to break bread, and whenever we see the poor. Those are the places that we know we can see Jesus. We see Jesus in the face of the poor and when, when we gather in groups for our own festival occasions. 
And so these smells that are working on their memory would help to remind them of that because these 15 people, wherever they go, they're going to smell those aromas. When they go to the marketplace, they'll smell those same spices that Martha used to cook with. When they're welcomed into homes, their host will anoint their feet after their travels with nard that will remind them of this night and of the presence of Jesus. So my sisters and brothers, those of us who are named and claimed by Jesus, we too have been invited into this inner circle with Jesus. We are among this inner circle of Jesus' closest friends. And we're invited to remember that wherever we go, Jesus is with us in the face of our neighbor, in the presence of the poor. Whenever we break bread and have our festival observances, Jesus is with us. And whatever smell it is that helps to remind you of that, maybe it's the smell of a church or the smell of wine or the smell of fish or even the smell of an old museum ship. Whatever smell it is that helps to remind you of that, remember that you are part of Jesus' inner circle, his closest companions. You are loved and you are reminded that Jesus is with you now and always. Amen.